Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I really love this time of year, the kind of time of year where we're still in the off-season of college football. Now, of course, as a college football show, we love the college football season. It seems like what counts at the college football season sort of stretches longer and longer and longer, especially when you're go for two and 22 and winning back-to-back national championships. The season has a way of stretching till darn near February. We understand all of that. But there is still a portion of the season that sort of feels like the offseason. And I love the offseason part of college football because, to me, there is a lot of energy around the kind of debates and the discussions that college football fans willingly enter into for whatever reason i don't know why this is college football's always been a sport that lends itself to great debates great arguments and you know sometimes you think well there's too much arguing on the internet and maybe there is but in the case of like the college football arguments i think for the most part they're pretty fun now some people maybe take it too far or whatever else but i would say that's a small portion of people for the most part college football fans us representing georgia you know uh, you know, people representing the other schools, whatever else. This is just one of those things we sort of do for sport. College football is a sport, but we kind of make the sport of arguing about college football our own sport in a lot of ways. And I just love doing a show like this where we get a chance to be a part of it. I'm thankful that you all allow us to kind of, you know, be in this discussion with you. And I'm here for it all. That means that there are a few things this time of year that kind of get entered into the fray that I welcome wholeheartedly, even though if we were to kind of step back and say, well, does this really mean anything? It probably doesn't. But whatever gives us an sort of an entry ramp to having a uh, argument, having a college ball discussion, whatever that is, well, that's probably valuable because we just love the college football arguments and the discussion we get to have so much. So around this time of year, there is kind of a thing that always seems to happen that creates one of those great college football discussions I love. The various media entities will start ranking their top college football coaches. And I'm going to cite three different ones today. There's a couple of dudes from The Athletic, one dude named Bruce Feldman, one dude named Stuart Mandel. There's Brad Carford from 24-7 Sports. Eventually, we'll see, we'll hear from the Sporting News and CBS and a lot of these other media outlets. But the kind of early entrances into the debate about who are the top coaches in college football, a couple guys from The Athletic, one guy from 24-7 Sports. And in looking at all of this, what you see is – Kirby Smart trying to now climb the ranks of college football's top coaches. Let's keep in mind here. Kirby Smart is still a very young coach. He's only been a head coach since the start of the 2016 season. You know, you can make a case that he may not even quite yet be in his coaching prime, which is a weird thing to say, given the fact they've won back-to-back national championships. But look at how long the typical coach is able to coach. You know, Kirby Smart's not even to kind of the halfway point of that yet. This is still a pretty young coach. So over the course of the last few years, great success early in his coaching life, winning the SEC and making the college football playoff in just a second year on the job. We saw Kirby start to climb these ranks pretty quickly. But within the last couple of years, there's also been this belief that while, while Kirby's one of the top coaches in college football, there was still this little bit of divide between Kirby and other guys ahead of him, even though some of the guys ahead of him are guys that Kirby had beaten head to head. In fact, it was prior to the start of the 2021 season, we brought on Bill Bender. Bill's a writer for the Sporting News. The Sporting News is like 
I don't know. It's been in business for 600 years, I guess. Uh, but it's like one of those old schools, long time media entities. They rank top coaches. Bill Bender's the guy that's responsible for doing that. And prior to the start of the 2021 season, believe it or not, Kirby Smart, this is hard to remember. This is only two years ago. It, it's, it, it seems like six decades ago, but it was just two years ago that uh that that Kirby Smart was just the number seven coach on the sporting news list of college football's top coaches just two seasons ago Kirby was just number seven now at the time that still seemed a little bit too low guys like Brian Kelly and Jimbo Fisher uh Dabo Sweeney uh, were ahead uh, Lincoln Riley they were ahead of Kirby Smart at the time we sort of brought on Bill now we like Bill Bill's a good writer but we kind of brought him on the show and kind of put him in the uh, uh interrogation chair as to you know offer some sort of explanation how come y'all had a uh, uh, Kirby smart so low and bill bender was good enough to play along with this to set us up for we need to go today here is bender two years ago explaining why kirby was just number seven on the top coaches list that's fair yeah and that's the first thing i told our staff i said they're going to bring up the two notre dame games with bk um you know with kelly and kelly's been to the playoffs twice and had two undefeated seasons they played two close games but kirby won them i think uh you know, Oklahoma's a tough one because Oklahoma in their conference, they've won their conference every year under Lincoln Riley. They're producing Heisman candidates at quarterback every single season. And Georgia, we always talk about, is this the right quarterback for Georgia? I think that's a big difference. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Kirby's recruiting at an elite level. Um, he's won big. I think the biggest thing with his ranking is the next part is how do you get into that number three spot? you got to win one. And Jimbo's won one. So – I mean, that entire clip right there sounds like something that should be saved in the National Archives. I mean, I'm telling you, it was only two years ago, y'all. It's just two years ago. But Brian Kelly was still at Notre Dame. Lincoln Riley was still at Oklahoma. Uh, Dabo Swinney was still thought to be a great coach. Like, it's like so many things that are not really seemingly true anymore, or in some cases just factually uh, not true anymore, ha- have changed so much over the course of the last couple of years. And at that particular time, you know, uh, you got Bill Bender from the Sporting News debating about whether or not Kirby Smart could get to the number three spot. You know, how do you move ahead of a guy like Jimbo Fisher, who's not even on the list anymore, I don't think. But, like, how do you even get to the point where Jimbo Fisher is? Because, obviously, Jimbo Fisher had won a a national championship at uh, Florida State going back to 2013. Now, here is the other thing you hear here, and I like Bill Bender fine. This is not a criticism of Bill Bender. But you sort of hear – the the label that was given to Kirby Smart in terms of trying to figure out how good of a coach he is the label that's given to Kirby Smart is hey he's a great recruiter you can't take that away from him great recruiter you can't take that away from him in other words he may not be as smart as Lincoln Riley is he may not be as smart as Brian Kelly is he may not be as smart as some of these other guys are but he is a great recruiter and one way or another we sort of know this was the kind of backhanded compliment that had been given to Kirby Smart plenty that oh he gets your talent what does he do with it when he gets there that's the kind of thing that was out there and there were even some people who are willing to even articulate this in more stark terms I guess including around this same time a couple years ago Paul Feinbaum he does a weekly appearance on a radio station in Birmingham called WJOX and he was on there and he was talking about Kirby Smart leading into that 2021 season, the one that some people had kind of sort of mentioned as a 
well, if he ain't going to win it now, when is he going to do it? Like, you know, the idea of, you know, Kirby Smart needing to win that national championship in uh, 2021. You know, Paul Feinbaum said it out loud that apparently at the time there were some people who just weren't quite so sure how good of a coach Kirby Smart was. Leader of a program, recruiter, he was fine with that. But making decisions during a game, how good of an on-field coach exactly was Kirby Smart? With his, as recently as two years ago, that was the discussion being had around Kirby. Here's evidence from Paul Feinbaum. In spite of this chatter out there about Kirby Smart, and, and, and I've heard it and you've heard it, you know, this, you know, Danny Sheridan was on our show the other day, and he picked, uh, he picked Georgia to make the Final Four, but he said if they don't make it this year, you know, when, when, when will they make it? I'm not, I'm, I still think the overall record there is, is, is exemplary. Kirby Smart just needs to, to quiet down that, that conversation out there that, that he can't uh, – that he's not a great on-the-field coach. And, and whether he is or isn't, I, I, it will continue to be debated. But, but I, I think his record is pretty good. So that's Paul Feinbaum saying, hey, Kirby Smart's got to quiet down the debate that he's not a good on-field coach. Nobody disputes how good of a recruiter he is. Uh, but the question is, does he make the right decisions during games? Now, to be fair here for a moment, Part of the reason why this narrative of Kirby survived as long as it did, the notion that he was a better recruiter than he was in-game coach, is because Smart himself, given a million chances to defend his coaching skills, has almost always chosen not to do that. And Smart has almost always chosen to put the spotlight on his players when it comes to the success that Georgia's enjoyed. You know, he's had the chance to say, some of y'all think I can't coach, but we've won a few games around here. Maybe I'm a better coach than you realize. But he's never done that, seemingly, that I can recall, to defend himself. He has reinforced over and over again the role that recruiting plays in all of this. Of the people who kind of lead with the notion that Smart's a great recruiter, part of the reason why they do that is because Smart himself has always articulated that point so loudly. In fact, let's go back to the Florida game 2021, basically kind of laying out that I don't care how smart of a coach you are, a smart coach is not going to overcome bad recruiting. Uh, you know, this is kind of the statement that might have gotten Dan Mullen fired, but it fits into the discussion we're having here right now. But the fact that Smart never shied away from the role that his recruiting success has played in his overall coaching success, uh, Smart from October of 2021. Well, you have to. I mean, guys, if you don't recruit, there's no coach out there that can out-coach recruiting. Okay, I, I don't care who you are. The best coach to ever play the game better be a good recruiter because no coaching is going to out-coach players. I mean, anybody will tell you our defense is good because we have good players. So spending time on the phone, you know, spending time with people at your house, spending time with people when they come to your campus. You know, I'm not with my family when I'm doing that. My family sacrifices so that I can go and spend time with other people's families so that we have good players. So, you know, that's 25% evaluation. That's 50% recruiting, and another 25% is going to be coaching. But if you don't recruit, guys, you got no chance. Just go look. Look at the best teams out there. they got good football players. And that's the reason I believe in recruiting, and I believe you better always be recruiting. Always be recruiting, because if you're not, somebody else is. So that little walk down memory lane there is all to sort of set up one point, that it wasn't all that long ago, just a couple of seasons ago, that Kirby Smart was thought of as a great recruiter, Smart himself acknowledging his recruiting success as being really, really important. 
But Smart was thought of something less than the best coach in college football or in a category below the handful of best coaches in college football because there was this thought that he didn't have the on-field coaching skills to match the recruiting success. And that was true as recently in the eyes of a lot of national media types a couple of years ago. Well, it's amazing how much things have changed in just 24 months. Now, that's what back-to-back national championships will do for you, obviously. But it's amazing how much things have changed because I mentioned we now have three lists out there of top coaches in college football. And I'm not asking you to care all that much about any individual guy's opinion on this, but I do think it's a reflection of what the overall taste of the college football commentariat is here at the moment. And you really see how quickly Kirby Smart has now risen the ranks. Bruce Feldman from The Athletic now ranks Kirby Smart as the second best coach in college football, right behind Nick Saban. Stuart Mandel, uh, Feldman's colleague at The Athletic, kind of takes a little bit of a different tack with this. He now ranks Kirby Smart and Nick Saban as kind of 1A and 2A in terms of their essentially tied as college football's best coach. Brad Crawford from 24-7 Sports, though, takes the next level, and he has now moved Kirby Smart to the top of his overall coaching list, now ranking Smart as the very best coach in college football. It may not surprise you to find out we agree with Crawford around here, and we think that Bruce Feldman's a little slow to acknowledge what's actually going on here, which is that Saban may be the GOAT, greatest of all time, but uh, Kirby Smart is now the greatest at this very moment. And I just think the last two seasons of college football bear all that out. You can't dispute what Nick Saban's done over the course of his career. No one's ever been better. But I also don't don't think you can overlook what's happening right now, where clearly over the course of the last couple of seasons, Smart has shown you an ability to develop and coach during a game that I believe is now equal to the recruiting success that's given him the talent to even be in this conversation. Let's walk through this just a little bit. During the 2021 year, Kirby Smart made a very bold decision. And what else is it that we ask coaches to do more so than make really bold decisions and do so with bravery, even when a lot of people think you're making the wrong choice? But that's exactly what Smart dealt with when he decided to move to Stetson Bennett as his quarterback and move JT Daniels to the bench. It was shocking to a lot of UGA fans. It was surprising to a lot of national media types it was the right choice. The results speak for themselves. And after finally breaking through and winning a national championship, the kind of thing that even guys like Jimbo Fisher have done, one national championship is not evidence of anybody being a great coach necessarily. Uh, Larry Coker's got one national championship. There are a lot of kind of random names that have won, uh, but smart in the face of some, assuming he might be kind of a flukish one-and-done type guy, replaced 15 players drafted off that 2021 roster and came back and had a 2022 season that was even more dominant than the dogs were in 2021 they won every single game they won the sec championship something that georgia had failed to do in 2021 and they won the national championship game 65 to 7 by the way more on that coming up here in a moment once again it's evidence that smart as a coach is every bit the equal of smart as a recruiter and what's fun about all of this is is that when you look at Nick Saban and Kirby Smart right now, the actual comparison of the two as coaches is actually a little bit easier to do. This is not necessarily an apples-to-oranges comparison. This is sort of an apples-to-apples or oranges-to-oranges type comparison, although let's not make anything involving Georgia orange. Uh, Georgia fans don't want that to be certain. But the point I'm trying to make is this, is that Nick Saban has been great. Nick Saban, I believe, is the greatest of all time and Nick Saban as a coach right now probably still counts in the present tense as great but let me ask you this and you have a right to disagree and if you do I'd love to hear from you if some non-Georgia fans are watching or listening right now I'm sure we will hear from them look at the 2023 season 
Georgia and Alabama have rosters constructed of a similar level of talent, right? I mean, Alabama still recruits as well as, if not better, this past year's recruiting class, you know, an example, uh, as well as, if not better than Georgia. They're, the overall talent level to Crimson Tide is high. Now, they've also missed on some guys and poorly developed some guys, and that kind of explains why they've had some of the struggles they've had. But the overall recruiting rankings for Georgia and Alabama are very, very similar, if not a slight edge in the you know in, in favor of the crimson tide based on the percentage of former four and five star players and things like that both georgia and alabama also have a quarterback competition taking place this spring both georgia and alabama will all you know so also replace quarterbacks who are very very important to those teams over the course of the last couple of years so there's a certain even playing field right now with georgia and alabama forget the fact that georgia's won the last two national championships just look at this year moving forward do you really think Nick Saban is a better position to make Alabama a national champion in 2023 than Kirby Smart is at Georgia? And if you wanted to make the case for Saban without citing some sort of example from the quite distant past, I'm not quite so sure you could make that case. Whereas in the case of Georgia, over the course of the last two seasons, you ask the question of what have you not seen them do? You've seen them replace big-time talent. You've seen them win the former walk-on quarterback. You've seen them upgrade the overall offense and the passing attack to a degree that some folks maybe wouldn't have thought was possible at Georgia, that Kirby Smart wasn't willing to allow to evolve. But over the course of the last couple of seasons, he's certainly done that. I guess you can kind of paint the picture of, well, actually, that's all Todd Munkin. And now Todd Munkin's gone. We're going to find out that Kirby Smart you know, wasn't that good to begin with. But that becomes a pretty convenient argument, though, given the fact that in 2021, we were led to believe that Georgia only won because of its defense. Now, a year later, someone have you believe that Georgia only won because of a historically good offensive coordinator? It seems like that's sort of a shifting scale of argument depending on what fits in the overall current situation. The point is, side by side, the comparison between Kirby Smart and Nick Saban favors Kirby Smart for the first time. A year ago, I would have told you one national championship alone was not enough to make Smart better than Saban. But now it's not one national championship. It's two straight. Nick Saban's the GOAT greatest of all time Kirby Smart though is the greatest at this moment we're hoping that the more these lists come out over the course of the uh, next couple of months ranking top college football coaches more folks will echo what Brad Croft from 24-7 Sports showed you that Kirby Smart ought to be at number one my name is Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans we are presented today by Kroger and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today live on video 10 a.m. Uh, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We start even earlier than that on Athens Sports Radio 960. Actually, I'm getting my signals crossed here for a moment. We start at 945 on dognation.com, the Dog Nation app for our first and 15, which we love. We're on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref. Uh, I love doing that every day. Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, everything else in between. Just really happy to have you with us as a part of the program today. And a big thanks to our friends at Kroger for making it all possible. You love what Kroger kind of does for you, including Kroger Chef Jr. My kids love Kroger Chef Jr. They're so excited about that. They, they Both my son and my daughter kind of have a little bit of an interest in kind of getting in the kitchen, making a mess, first of all. That's what they really love doing. But, you know, kind of cooking some stuff and some things like that. So Kroger Chef Jr. is a great chance for you and your kids to kind of learn what the experience in the kitchen is kind of all about uh in fact this month the menu item to be made is called black bean sauce this sounds really really good it's going to be march 18th at select kroger locations it's a 30 minute guided cooking experience where your child's going to get an apron a patch a chef's hat a recipe card and box and some tongs for just seven dollars per child so go to krogerchefjr.com to sign up for that today the word junior spelled out j-u-n-i-o-r 
KrogerChefJr.com for more on that. All right, well, we got Jeff Sintel here coming up. We'll talk some UJ recruiting with him. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Prior to that, though, let's go around the doghouse. And I want to talk a little bit about something that ESPN wrote the other day because we just discussed a moment ago, you know, Georgia showed you in 2022 that it could replace a lot of departed stars there were 15 draft picks off the 2021 team yet georgia replaced those guys won the national championship didn't skip a beat and what we've said around here is is that because of how emphatically georgia answered that question about itself in 2021 you're i should say in 2022 you're you're not likely to hear as much of that going into the 2023 season of how does georgia replace this and how does georgia replace that and it's almost so under-discussed now, it's almost become, to me, a little bit of an underrated topic. With that in mind, I thought this was interesting, and our buddy Connor Riley wrote about this at DogNation.com. I thought it was interesting to see ESPN highlight what was Georgia's biggest need to replace from its 2022 national championship team. And the thing that it mentioned, and in face value, it sort of makes sense why it would be mentioned, is Stetson Bennett at quarterback. I want to read this. Tom Van Haren is the writer on this. He says when it comes to Georgia's biggest need to replace, it very well could have been defensive tackle Jalen Carter or any of the defenders departing. He says, but Stetson Bennett got a Georgia's offense to two national championships, was a Heisman finalist, throwing for 4,127 yards and 27 touchdowns, and he also ran for 10 more in 2022. That is Tom Van Haren from ESPN on this. And I want to make a small, simple point on this, and then we're going to move on and kind of talk about something else, which is that as Georgia begins a new season in 2023. I think there is this assumption around the excitement about the next quarterback, whether it be, as we've talked about yesterday, Carson Beck, or possibly Gunnar Stockton, we mentioned earlier, or possibly Brock Vandergriff, who we've also talked plenty about. The excitement about who might be the next quarterback comes with a lot of enthusiasm of, well, this guy can be just as good as Stetson Bennett, or perhaps because of the fact that Bennett was a former walk-on, the fact that really no one saw his success coming necessarily, it would not have been an easy thing to predict. Because of that, I think there's assumption is that Stetson Bennett will be easy to replace, and Beck or Vandegrift or Stockton could step in. They could easily do just as well as Bennett, if not do better, because all of those guys are more highly rated as recruits than Bennett once was. And I got to tell you, I want to caution you on that. There is clearly reason for optimism about the Georgia offense here this upcoming season. But as you hear Van Haren from ESPN lay out, Bennett was a Heisman finalist. Bennett put up gigantic statistical totals last year. Bennett played huge. Orange Bowl, National Championship 2021, Peach Bowl, National Championship 2022. Played darn near perfect, it seemed like, against TCU. Uh, this was a guy that gave you huge performances in the biggest games. They gave you a larger statistical profile than you kind of gotten used to seeing from Georgia's quarterback spot. And replacing him won't be easy. Now, that doesn't mean that I think the back or Vandegrift or Stockton's going to be worse than Stetson Bennett was. But being as good as Stetson is not an easy thing to do. So I don't mean to be like a wet blanket on the Friday. I never want to do that. But I would caution you to temper your expectations just a little bit. And for any new quarterback playing for the very first time in a starting role, whoever that guy eventually ends up being, you know, expect a little bit of growing pains, even against an easier schedule that you don't really think anyone's capable of truly challenging George with. That might be the case, but it could still be a situation where the quarterback has to kind of grow into a role there. And I think a little bit over the last couple of years, Stetson Bennett had a way of making all of this look a little easier than it probably was. And his success, not always easy to predict, and in some cases, not always easy to understand for some, yet it was real. It did happen. And matching that in the future, uh, not going to be easy thing for any of the trio of guys competing to be quarterback 
I take the words of ESPN uh, seriously on this a bit worth keeping in mind as Georgia begins spring practice. Now, if you want to know just how successful Bennett was over the course of his time as Georgia quarterback, you know, how how reflective that is in the way that he was viewed. I mean, let's go back to about a year or so ago when uh, Stetson Bennett was a, a clue on Jeopardy, right? You remember this? Uh, when Bennett, uh, you know, was famous as the national championship quarterback there for a while and showed up as a, a Jeopardy clue that day. And Stetson was actually asked about that. It was kind of a funny moment about a year or so ago. Uh, let me give you a reminder of this. Uh, Stetson reflecting on his appearance as a clue on the uh, Jeopardy program. Let's go back to last year for that. I got that text earlier. Did you got that? I okay. did. I hope they got it right. Uh, the question was, in 2022, quarterback Stetson Bennett led this school to the national title over SEC rival Alabama. Oh, well, that's a, it's kind of, I didn't have a question. I just wanted it's to kind of helping them along through the question. I hope they weren't like, who's the quarterback? Nobody would have gotten that one. <laughs> So that gives you an idea of kind of what Bennett's relevance has been like over the course of the last couple of years, but it also gives you a little bit of an indication of just how big of a deal it is to be mentioned on Jeopardy. Stetson Bennett seemed pretty excited about all that. Well, here we are a year later. Once again, the dogs show up on the uh, game show Jeopardy. Uh, you may have seen this. Uh, Scott Sinclair tweeted about this, and we obviously wrote about this at dognation.com there as well. Once again, Georgia's showing up as a clue on the Jeopardy program. Uh, the, the, the clue itself was this SEC school won the 2023 NCAA football title game in convincing fashion with a 65-7 drubbing of TCU. Poor TCU getting its business put out there on that. But nonetheless, for second straight year, Georgia's national championship earns a little bit of a place in Jeopardy lore there as well. So uh, that's pretty cool. And uh, fun to see stats on there a year ago. Fun to see the dogs on there again last night. And great to see Scott Sinclair and others kind of pointing all of that out. So uh, good times around the dogs dogs in d we'll make that around the doghouse there as well and by the way before we bring on jeff Sintel, speaking of good times i want to remind you that you still have a little bit of time to register for your chance to win the really fun exclusive vip to lunch insider uh giveaway that we're doing with our friends at marlowe's tavern of course john stinchcomb is our marlowe's tavern insider each and every week here on dog nation daily and john and i are going to be together on tuesday march 21st for a special vip insider lunch and you have a chance to be there with us in fact we're going to select four winners to bring a guest and be a part of this great lunch with us on this particular day. We'll talk some Georgia football. We'll have some chef-inspired food. We'll have a great time, and we want you to be there with us for it. So go to dognation.com. Very easy to find the link right at the top of the page. You can click into it. You can register for your chance to win, and you got to do that between now and March 14th. So, you know, we got a couple days left to do this, but go ahead and get in for your chance to win. If you have not already, we'll announce the winner on March 15th. The lunch takes place at noon on March 21st at the uh, Marlowe's in Dunwoody. So that is going to be an extraordinary experience, and we're very, very excited to have you with us as a part of it. So good luck to you, your chance to win. Hope you get a chance to have some lunch with you. John Stinchcomb, I know, would love that there as well. Dognation.com, the place to go to find out more about that all right before we're done speaking of coaching rankings there was something very funny and maybe this is sort of funny to me uh as it relates to the lousy stinking gators and one of those coaching rankings things we'll kind of share that with you here a little bit later on we'll talk about some of the sec coaches and kind of what their outlook is for the upcoming season including billy napier maybe not being on anybody's list or at least not top of mind the way that maybe some gators fans wish that he would be so we'll talk about that but for now there is serious business to take care of when it comes to uga recruiting let's cover all of that with jeff Sintel here on dog nation daily presented by kroger 
from Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. Great to have Jeff Sintel on our program on a Friday. A lot of recruiting news to kick around with him over the course of the next few minutes. And one of the things we talked about briefly yesterday was the decommitment from 2024 running back to Vonnie Mizell. And I wanted to start with that, Jeff, with you today, if you don't mind. And one of the things we said yesterday was, uh, you know, the running back that Georgia has in the fold for the upcoming class, Dwight Phillips, because of the speed and things like that, kind of brings a dimension that I don't know that Georgia currently has in its roster, so you like that. But the the Mizell departure, you know, what does that make room for in terms of new running back priorities? Give us a little bit of a landscape here when it comes to Georgia running back recruiting here at the moment. Hey, Brandon. Good morning, everybody. You know, Brandon, we have this program that shows up every Wednesday. It's called Before the Hedges. One of the things that we've been kind of, I guess, coyly saying or maybe stealthily saying is whenever we brought up Mizell and Phillips in the same backfield, we just charted history. And we said, you know what? Del McGee usually likes those thunder and lightning backfields where there's not a duplication of skill sets. And we always kind of thought that Phillips and Mizell were the duplication of skill set. Both of these guys are under 200 pounds, speed guys. Um, it's funny, Mizell's ranking, when he committed to Georgia, he was the number five running back in the country back in 2022, August of 2022. And yet now he's the number 18 running back in the country, and now he was, prior to his decommitment, the ninth highest rated member of Georgia's 10-person 2024 class, which is still number one in the country. And you start putting all these things together. And, Brandon, maybe the biggest key lead is you didn't see Giovanni Mazzell at a lot of Georgia's big games. You didn't see him for the Tennessee game. You didn't see him um, for marquee home games last fall as a running back commitment. You didn't see him in January for the parade. You haven't seen him really touting Georgia on social media a lot. He's been talking about other schools. So we just kind of been doing this a lot of years. We just kind of said, you know, I don't know if that one's going to stick and then finally it unraveled. And I think what, what you see what Georgia will now do, which is what they've been doing for the last month or so, in fact, Brandon, even when Dwight Phillips went to Athens back in January and would commit that weekend, he was in town being hosted by Georgia on an unofficial visit at the same time with Chauncey Bowers, current Florida, lousy stinking Gators, I'll use your word, commitment. And this guy is about 215, 220. Brandon is running spring track, and he's clocking like, 10-7s, 10-8s already. Uh, it's a phenomenal time for a back that big. Currently committed to Florida, saying all the right things about Florida, and yet at the same time going to continue to visit and hear what Georgia has to say. I think, I think that's what comes readily to mind when you think about running back and where Georgia moves now after this decommitment news from Tavani Mazzell. I guess there's also, what, Cameron Davis, too, the uh, the guy from Darty who I believe is a Florida State commit, uh, Jerry Gibson of IMG Academy. It seems like there are a couple of other names kind of floating around there a little bit, too, right? Yep, those are the best names. So, Jared Gibson is the number one running back in the country. We're used to seeing Georgia dance and um, go back and forth with a prospect like that. Um, Jared's actually going to take his official visit to Georgia on that first weekend in June where Georgia tries to line up um, all the heavy hitters um, for the first weekend in June. That's kind of a somewhat growing Georgia official visit tradition by having all the official visits in June, having all the big names in there to try to to make it feel like maybe either Oscar night in the red carpet or try to feel like 
Augusta, the Augusta Municipal Airport Masters Week, but everybody just starts lining up and showing up in town. Jared Gibson's going to be there. You did mention Cam Davis first. I think Cam Davis is probably the right name to mention along with Chauncey Bowens out of Florida, North Palm Beach area, simply because uh, this guy told me recently, there'll be a story up today on dognation.com, that one of the schools that will be in it until the end for him is Georgia. Del McGee talks to him and his family about every day. Uh, McGee sends uh, messages to his family about every day. We've heard this before. That's, a, that's what a priority recruit at the running back position feels like and looks like with Del McGee in Georgia. And uh, Cam Davis will give Georgia an official visit as well. He's already said that. So those are the likely suitors, I guess, for Georgia at the running back spot for 2024. The other big thing to know is Cam Davis measured in at the Under Armour Atlantic camp about 210 pounds. He also plays baseball, Brandon. I know you love hearing about five-star prospects in baseball when sure. it comes to the dogs. Sure. Um, but uh, that's the docket, and that's the dossier file for Cam Davis out of Albany. Well, speaking of visitors, you know we're expecting uh, a bunch of recruiting visitors coming in uh, for Georgia here as well, coinciding with the start of spring practice. It sounds like next weekend is going to be uh, pretty robust in terms of some of the names that could be on hand. I know we'll talk more about that as we get closer to next week, but I guess let's go ahead and start the preview of this here as Georgia, you know, dead period over, getting ready to start welcoming folks back in. With that, well, what's that going to be like here over the course of the next couple of weeks? Yeah, so Georgia wants to have uh... – wants to have, you know, basically something to show these recruits, and they want to be able to show off the start of spring practice. Brandon, I'm just be blunt. Dylan Raiola, expected, could very well be in Athens that weekend, going to take a look. And here's what he's going to look at, Brandon. He's going to look at that Georgia offense. He's wanting to see it for himself and see, okay, Munkin's gone, but is it the same terminology? Is it the same plays? Are, they, are those the same concepts that Mike Bobo's going to embrace? And what Georgia's going to rep out there on the practice field. That's a positive visual I think that the Riola family needs to see. Of course, Jeremiah Smith is a hot name now in Georgia football recruiting circles, probably yeah. the hottest since he spoke down in, in Under Armour in Orlando. Nation's number one receiver. Right now I'm just going to say he has transcendent talent for the position where, what do I mean by that? Meaning that he would be the number one receiver in the country for a lot of years. You look at the last five or ten years, um, Jeremiah Smith would probably be the number one prospect in that class at wide receiver for at least half of those years. That's how good of a player he is. Um, he's expected to be in town whenever Riola's in town. He's even told reporters down at the Under Armour in Orlando this past Sunday that um, he's going to be in a couple of times. He's going to give Georgia an official visit. Of course, he's currently committed to Ohio State, which amplifies the Kilimanjaro level of difficulty here for Georgia trying to pull and twist a wide receiver commit away from Ohio State. Yeah, has Brian Hartline ever lost a has Brian Hartline ever lost a recruiting battle? Uh not likely when especially comes to wide receivers, right. but I'm sure you want our pal Todd Mulkin to hire him away and be the wide receivers coach at Baltimore. Or also another thing to think about there is there's the intrigue there, Brandon, with Dylan Riola. Because Riola and Smith got to know each other a lot on recruiting trips to Ohio State when both were committed to Ohio State last season. Uh, he even told reporters, Brandon, that um, if he goes to Georgia and Riola goes to Georgia, if they end up signing with Georgia together, that they are very likely to win at least one national championship there. Uh, so there's something there. There's buzz. It's certainly going to be a degree of difficulty recruitment, Brandon, for um, 
I would say knowing how much you love to see five-star quarterbacks and five-star receivers in red and black, for Georgia to do this in one fell swoop of a recruiting class with the nation's number one receiver, Jeremiah Smith, and the nation's number one quarterback, Dylan Riola, that would be a drop-the-microphone moment for Georgia offensive recruiting. You know, it does bring to mind your everything you just said is absolutely correct. But, you know, it used to be years ago that uh, if a recruit said, hey, you know, I'm going to come to Georgia, I'm going to win a national championship. <laughs> that used to be like the big statement to make. But now if a recruit says, I'm going to come to Georgia and win a national championship, all of a sudden that brings to mind questions from fans of, well, what's going to go wrong those other years? <laughs> because the idea of winning just a national championship over the course of a three-year period, I don't know that quite excites that quite excites Georgia fans like it once would have. Although certainly Georgia fans would love nothing more than have Jeremiah Smith in the fold. And I don't know that there's a team right now more fun to beat out. Damon Wilson, example of this, than Ohio State because of all the whining they do and the pouting that uh, Ryan Day does. You know, it used to be the best team to beat out a rec- for a recruit was Alabama. Now it's Ohio State for myriad reasons, just because you know they flail and whine so much when they don't get their way, which I love to see. Especially, I, I, I can feel you. I can, I can think along with you on that, Brandon. Maybe the best thing to do is to beat out Ohio State for an offensive recruit and maybe to beat out Alabama for a five-star inside the state of Alabama. And you know what? I'll laugh along with you a little bit on your, your first comment. Because you know what I thought when I, I – you know what I think now when I read things about recruits saying we'll win a national championship together if we go to Georgia? Yeah. Probably more likely to say we're not going to lose one right. if we go together and we're going to be, be in Athens. We're not going to lose a national championship yeah. while we're there because right now that those boys in Athens, uh, not only are they playing a pretty, some pretty good ball, they've got a chokehold on that thing where it's kind of more than likely the way Georgia's trending where they're going to be in that Final Four of the dance every year. No, I think you're right about that. And you mentioned Dylan Riola. I guess the phrase you use is expected to visit next weekend. Uh, Jeff, I can't figure out what's going on here with all, all of this. I mean, obviously, we've always taken you know a school like USC seriously in this. And, you know, Nebraska, because of the, the familial tie, I think you take them seriously on this, too. I also believe that Nebraska probably has more access to NIL than the average fan probably realizes. So I take the Huskers pretty seriously in all of this, too. There's been a lot of online chatter as of late about Riola to USC. Uh, and I am, you'll notice, calling him Dylan Riola because that's what you asked me to do, even though I am still somewhat skeptical that's how it's pronounced. But nonetheless, uh, I am calling him Dylan Riola because that's what you said. But the point here, though, is is that, you know, what is really going on with Dylan here at the moment? So here's what we know, Brandon. Um, look where he's visited. He's visited USC. He visited USC back when the, there was an open period. He visited Nebraska because he was a dead period, but he could throw the bones up at the game because it's a family thing. His dad is an All-American there. His uncle is the offensive line coach there. Um, so the Riola name is very much revered around uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. So he could take these visits. Here's where he hasn't visited yet. Georgia. He hasn't visited Georgia since the Kentucky game back in 2021. That's when before Georgia won a single national championship. And that's what he needs to do now. He needs to make an impressionable visit or two to Athens to kind of reinforce everything he's seen and feeling. And remember, he didn't visit Georgia, but he got to see Georgia on the mountaintop at SoFi Stadium when they routed TCU uh, in the national championship game. So I guess there's some good feelings there, some good vibes there. He, he keeps going out to, North, to, to Huntington Beach in Carolina, because that's where his quarterback trainers are at. So he goes out there 
uh, and just kind of adds in a USC visit while he's out there for training. And to get him in Athens, to get him around some other players um, that are very strong, that are that what Georgia's building the class with, and to just watch what Georgia has. I think there's one thing, Brandon, if we can look at the Ryola recruitment or the Ryola path through high school, is he wants to be surrounded by a great situation with great players around him. And I think that's what Georgia offers better than anywhere else in the country. So let me see if I can ask this, and you know, this may not be a very easy question to answer. That may not be an answer, but so – Visits USC all the time, you know, online chatter, the kind of online predictions leaning the direction of the Trojans, strong family ties to Nebraska, and yet somehow there has been some UGA chatter. Like, what is the source of the UGA chatter given such tangible evidence tying him to other places? Well, I think there's connections to the staff. I think there's the, the recruiting message he hears from Kirby Smart. I think it's the recruiting message he hears from other recruits. I don't know if you followed your social media over the past weekend. But yeah. One of the things he did when he was, he was in California, not only did he go to his quarterback trainer, and not only did he visit USC and get the golden uh, brick tour by Lincoln Riley again, uh, but he also hung out with Peyton Woodyard. Uh, Peyton Woodyard is a guy that is committed to Georgia in the class. I think he's one of those uh, true anchor ambassadors right now for the 2024 class in Athens. Peyton's actually expected to be in Georgia this weekend for 707. And also, we'll take a visit to Athens on Monday while he's in the state of Georgia as well. But those two have talked about being roommates together. Those two have talked about um, how important uh, Riola would be to the class. Woodyard is now a very outspoken dog on social media about all things Georgia. So I, I think there's a lot of connections there. You, you hear this stuff that goes around in the background of him and Jeremiah Smith. Uh, Jeremiah Smith may be perhaps saying a little too much about what's happening with him trying to take tandem visits uh, <laughs> with Raiola to Georgia. And that kind of leads one to believe that there's a lot of stuff brewing behind the scenes. Uh, you could not have been impressed, more impressed with what Georgia has done over the last two years. I've talked to Raiola and his family. Uh, trust me when I say that Georgia is going to be in the thick of this until the end. And also, Brennan, you hear he's going to just take a lot of visits because he feels the family feels like they did a lot, did it too prematurely last time with his college choice. So he wants to go around. He wants to kind of have that NFL or NBA free agency tour. Maybe I should just say NIL free agency tour now or whatever. But for him, I think the visit the visit path will probably also include uh, Oregon. Uh, you've also heard that when he's going to be in Georgia sometime this month, he also plans to visit Georgia Tech of all places. That's yeah. probably – a nod to Buster Faulkner and that relationship there. And, you know, Brandon, the other things, the things that Ryola will say about Georgia, how much Georgia means to him, how he says go dogs at the end of interviews every time I speak to him. And then also there is a strong connection to a lot of people that have recruited him for a long time in Georgia, including Kirby Smart. We also have to remember Georgia was his very first offer. And that means a great deal to Ryola and his family. Listen, I would say that nothing makes you realize how special UGA is, like spending a few minutes at Georgia Tech. Pretty much on the there. <laughs> Let me finish with this, Jeff, if you don't mind. Uh, I thought you had a really good piece. Some of this was on video, too. Our, our good friend Kelly Manziel making an appearance here, too, highlighting Monroe Freeling as a part of a Next Generation series of Dog Nation. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more of these videos, courtesy of uh, our friends at Palo Endo and Door of George, of course, reading what you have to write there as well. But, Jeff, to me, Freeling is an important guy to highlight in a situation like this because while I don't expect Monroe 
to start for Georgia this season unless something doesn't go quite right with one of the expected starters injury whatever else I do think Monroe Freeling is an incredibly important player on this Georgia roster this season to be completely blunt here I think if Ernest Green and Amarius Mims are your two tackles if you're a Georgia fan you ought to feel really good about that but the level of tackle depth beyond Green and uh, Mims the two starters right now perceived starters I'm not really quite so sure how well built out all of that is, which means a guy like Freeling, who's got you know all the, the, the talent credentials in the world, having him step in, become a capable player who could step into a game if needed because, let's face it, offensive tackles in the SEC do get injured from time to time. You do need to test your depth at some point. You know, Freeling to me is a really important signee for Georgia in that class of 2023 and potentially a very important member of of this uh roster here this year so i'll give you a chance to talk about him because i thought that was a very uh crucial name to begin that next generation preview series with yeah brandon you kind of nailed it i thought that I, that was definitely intentional to lead off with freelance not just because he is a great story which is what we kind of look for here but i think freeling needs to be quickly acclimated to georgia and be like an emergency understudy role in 2023 but Brennan, I'll be frank. I expect Georgia, if things go right, and things have tended to go right a lot in Athens recently, if things go right, I think four of Georgia's five starters on the offensive line this year will be gone. And you've got to look at a two-deep at tackle in 2024. That name better include Monroe Freeling or something went wrong. I mean, you could, you know, this is kind of way too early to do this, but likely starters in 2024 in that way too early depth chart, don't have a lot of names. You've got Ernest Green III. You've got Monroe Freeling. You've got a bunch of hybrid guys like a Micah Morris, like an Austin Blasky. Uh, you've got even Bo Hughley, who Georgia just signed in 2024. Not a lot of pure tackles, but Georgia's got a lot more guys that seem like they're more better fits at guard, Brandon. But the thought of this, if let's say Georgia's offensive line goes to Marius Mims, Cedric um, Von Prahn in the middle. You've got Tate Ratledge. You've got uh, Xavier Truss, and then you've got, um, you know, that's kind of what it looks like across the front four. Most of those guys will be gone. I think the only person that will be returning will be Ernest Green. It would be playing right tackle next year, or this fall, excuse me, or right tackle or left tackle in 2023. So you got to have a lot of guys. Brennan, Georgia hadn't really hit the bullseye on a lot of tackles in the 2022 and 2023 class, aside from Ernest Green the third. So that's why Freeling has to play, play early. He's got all the size in the world, Brandon. I thought it was really unique and uncommon for a guy that, let's face it, played on a small school level, private school football in South Carolina. His football team maybe had 40 guys on the roster. And then for him to go and and be ranked as a top 50-ish overall recruit, and then when he started competing nationally at the All-American Games, you saw his ranking skyrocket. He was 6'7", he was 295. He has a 31-inch vertical. He does yoga. He's going to do more yoga than you will on the Dog Nation cruise in April, Brandon, <laughs> uh, during the course of a week. And, I mean, he is a guy that you look at it, he better be a starting tackle in Georgia because that guy looks like a future NFL draft pick. Jeff, it is really good stuff, and I appreciate you taking the time to do uh, great content like that. We'll look forward to reading a bunch from you here over the weekend and the uh, days to come at dognation.com. And, of course, chatting with you back here again next Friday as a part of Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger as well. Take it easy, Brandon. Everybody have a great weekend, and we'll see you guys soon. Sounds good. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. 
This is SEC Through. Yeah, great stuff from Jeff. I think Monroe Freeling's kind of, he comes across as a great dude, and I think he's got a really bright football future ahead of him. And getting him ready to go and be a part of the depth situation of the Georgia offensive line, I think you probably feel really good about your projected starters of the offensive line for Georgia. There could be some growing pains there, but listen, Georgia's potential starters of the offensive line are the envy of almost everybody in college football. But what do you have behind them? What's your next five look like? I think Monroe Freeling is definitely supposed to be a part of that and then eventually making a push to be a starter uh, at some point in time in the uh, near future. But getting him ready to be ready in case he's called upon, that's a big storyline for the dogs here this season to be sure. Jeff mentioned the Dog Nation cruise. It'll give me a chance to also remind you that we're cruising around the SEC right now, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. A lot of y'all know we love these Royal Caribbean cruise vacations, including our good friend Kaylee Manziel, I mentioned a moment ago. She's actually on board a Royal Caribbean cruise right now. I'm actually not sure which ship she's on, where she's sailing out of. I'm pretty sure she told me, and now I just don't remember. But when she gets back, we'll find out from her how much she enjoyed it. And, of course, it becomes a great reminder to you that as you're thinking about spring break and you're thinking about summer vacation and all kinds of stuff here in 2023 – uh, it is time to get booked up for a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. I also love the meetings we're having here right now because we know we're just outside of a month away from our own Dog Nation cruise, second ever cruise with Dog Nation uh, here coming up in uh, just a few days. So we want you to be a part of that there as well. And uh, or, or for those of you who are a part of it, probably better said, for those of you who are a part of it, we're really excited about being with you for that. Of course, the travel agent that's booked all that for us, our good friend Jessica Slater. You can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-7189-147. She's a great travel agent. She helps me book my Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. She can help you book yours as well. She even put a great website together called RoyalDogs.com uh, that you can kind of find out about all the great things going on with Royal Caribbean, including, by the way, January of 2024, the debut of the Icon of the Seas. That is going to be an amazing thing. Setting that standard, new standard when it comes to great cruise vacations. Largest water park at sea and all kinds of fun new uh, entertainment options and really just kind of redefining what a cruise vacation is all about. That's what Icon of the Seas is going to be all about. You'll see it January of 2024. All right. Admittedly, this is probably trollish behavior, but I am as God made me. So we are going to uh, make fun of the lousy stinking gators here for a moment because I told you about off the top of the show, we have kind of now reached the point of the year where various riders are doing their... Uh, top coaches rankings we like stuff like that because anything that's fodder for a great college football argument is fun no matter who it is the writer you know you may like the writer you may not even never ever even heard of the writer it doesn't really matter who the the genesis of a lot of this is it's just the argument we get to have around it that probably matters and so one of the things we were referencing is brad crawford now we like brad right now because he's the guy that had kirby smart at number one on his coaching list he also did something else that i think is kind of funny let me show you this here for a moment so Anybody who's ever done anything like this where you have to rank things, it is very hard to keep up with everything you're supposed to rank. It's not difficult to forget something from time to time. So we certainly uh, have some sympathy here for Brad when you intend to do something you don't remember to do it. But in this particular case, apparently Brad Crawford forgot that Billy Napier at Florida exists. Let me show you a footnote that appeared on his story at 247sports.com. Editor's note. The first of the edition of this story did not include Florida's Billy Napier. He's been added at number 30 overall, replacing Arkansas coach Sam Pittman. Now, two things here. First of all, poor Sam Pittman. So he was 30th, but because the writer forgot Billy Napier, they didn't move Pittman down to 31. They just took him off the list all the way around. 
Like, how does that fair to Sam Bittman that he was 30th, but the writer said, oops, I forgot Billy Napier. So now, apparently, there's only one slot left for the SEC in the sort of formatting of this article, I guess. And so poor Sam Pittman gets kicked off the list. I mean, Sam Pittman's already had a hard enough offseason as it is. Lost both his coordinators. Uh, a little bit of turmoil with the uh, overall position coaches there, too. Then he gets kicked off the list. Now, let me ask you this. Would you rather have Sam Pittman or P.J. Flack? Uh, I'd much rather have Yes, Sir, than Row the Boat. Same thing with Kirk Ferentz at Iowa for a number of reasons. Uh, would you rather have Dave Dorn at NC State or Sam Pittman? I don't think that's an easy – that's not, not a tough one for me. I'll take uh, – I'll take Sam Pittman. Now, Mike Elko at Duke, that may be a coach climbing the ranks here pretty soon. But as of right now, he's less proven than um, than Sam Pittman is. And uh, Dave Clawson at Florida at Wake Forest comes in at 35. Uh, certainly a good coach. Kind of done more with less at the ACC. But it is, after all, the ACC. So you're telling me that Pittman, after being 30, gets kicked off the list. Now he can't be on the list at all? That doesn't seem fair. But if I'm a Florida fan, I'm very concerned about this. Very concerned about this. Because you know the opposite of love is probably not hate it's probably indifference and this just sort of shows you like the the raging indifference that exists for billy napier right now that someone like brad crawford national writer 24 7 sports it even has the possibility of forgetting that he exists like dan mullen may not have been very good but nobody was ever going to forget about him uh jim mcelwain <laughs> for a lot of the wrong reasons uh no fault of jim's of course but nonetheless people weren't forgetting about jim mcelwain all of a sudden now you know, you've got Billy Napier there at Florida, and not only is he not any better than previous two coaches were, he's also now just less descript. Like that's a Florida. If I'm a Florida fan, that makes me a little bit nervous right now that uh, the media can even forget who my coach is. You know, you couldn't pick him out of a lineup. You know, kind of the buzz cut haircut, no distinctive personality trait whatsoever, uh, and. <laughs> the ranking of the top coaches you have to sort of just sort of slam him in there at number 30 after initially forgetting him i don't think anything sums up year one of the billy napier era more so than a national writer says oh yeah billy napier exists i guess he's like 30th best <laughs> like like ladies and gentlemen that is your florida gator football program here right now which uh i definitely would say that i enjoy by the way speaking of uh, coaches who've kind of fallen on hard times do you see where josh gaddis has gotten a new job gaddis has had quite a career turn over the course of the last couple of years it was just two years ago working with the michigan wolverines that josh gaddis was rep was, was recognized as the nation's top assistant coach he won the broils award that year as the uh, top assistant coach at michigan michigan got embarrassed against georgia in the orange bowl gaddis left to go to miami uh miami was a total disaster this past year gaddis was out at miami and has now landed as maryland offensive coordinator working with Mike Loxie. Now, the Maryland situation is always kind of interesting to me because they always have slightly more talent than you realize. And, you know, they sort of beat the bad teams, lose to the good teams. So maybe Gattis will find a little bit of success there working with a guy in Loxley that he probably knows pretty well. But a couple of things come to mind here for me on this. First of all, I think one of the most interesting coaches in college football is Mario Cristobal at Miami. And I don't mean interesting for necessarily the right reasons. Cristobal was one of those guys that a couple of years ago sort of looked like the next big thing. He was clearly a good recruiter. He kind of understood the sort of the toughness and physicality required to be a successful coach. He brought way more of that to Oregon than they probably ever had before and way more of that than anybody in the Pac-12 was sort of used to, that he was 
running against the the current of culture in the Pac-12 against the grain a little bit and the fact that he valued defense and running the football and good offensive line and being tough in a way most of the pillow soft Pac-12 just would never even be able to recognize that that Chris Tobal is sort of famous for that and when you see him doing that even though the offense is sort of struggling a little bit I was left to conclude that wow Chris Tobal good recruiter values toughness this might be a really good football coach on the rise and guess what takes the big job at Miami it's still sort of the same story though where once again you just don't have much offense going on there they have had a hard time or, or I should say that that Cristobal wherever he's working sort of had a hard time cultivating offense so when you look at how bad they were a year ago do you blame Josh Gaddis for that or do you say once again new jobs same story for Cristobal he just can't find a way to score points can't find a way to work with any offensive coordinator and can't find a way to thrive much the same way that Joe Moorhead didn't work at Oregon and you know, you know, Gattis didn't work this past year. And all of a sudden, you're left to conclude Cristobal seemed like a coach on the rise. He seemed like the perfect match to kind of resurrect the glory of the Miami uh, Hurricanes. And yet, now you're not quite so sure that's going to be the case. And Miami sort of seemed like a pretty big mess. I think Cristobal is very, very interesting where it could be that he just ain't it. That all of the thought of, hey, maybe he's the next great coach. Maybe he's got great success coming his way. Maybe he doesn't, and uh, the fact that he's had a hard time matching himself with an offensive coordinator might be uh, proof of that. And I guess we'll leave that for there and say that is cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Except, let me just say this, because this was the other point I wanted to make. Doesn't it stick in your craw just a little bit? <laughs> the guy like Gaddis, who's done nothing since then, was Broyles Award winner in 2021 over Todd Munkin, because as I said before, like, Everyone acts now like Todd Munkin is this irreplaceable genius for the Georgia coaching staff, but in 2021, darn near nobody acted like they even knew who he was. A guy like Josh Gaddis gets the the award over Munkin. Munkin didn't really even get a lot of chatter uh, in a discussion like that. Um, it just goes to show you that that for a lot of people who question, does Georgia have a right after this year's national championship to call themselves overlooked, to say they were doubted, to say that they didn't get enough respect, enough credit? We've always believed that yeah there was actually way more of that going on around georgia the last couple of years than people realize we talked earlier this week about not winning the joe moore award as the nation's best offensive line michigan once again won that two years in a row uh you know you can cite the Broyles award situation here no one i believe ever picked georgia to go six and six or seven and five the way that nolan smith some other players suggested but there were certainly plenty of evidence over the course of the last couple of years that people have had a hard time processing just how good georgia is its players its coaching staff and everything else included including how good the top man kirby smart is as we addressed off the top of the show. So to me, it is fair to say that Georgia has overcome a lot of doubters and silenced a lot of critics along the way to these last two national championships. And that seems like a pretty good way to finish things up this week. And by the way, speaking of finishing things up, how about a big finish presented by our friends at the uh, Finish Long Drink? Of course, we always love going into the weekend in style. And of course, as you get ready to enjoy yourself this weekend, we hope you'll make the Finish Long Drink a part of your plans as you do that, we like to highlight some fun with the finished long drink as part of our big finish here on Fridays, including this. I saw this on Twitter. So this is a finished long drink cake. Uh, that's like, you know, 
the the old meme about everything being cake. Well, this actually is cake. It's a finished long drink can designed to to, to look like a cake. Uh, so Miles Teller, you know him from uh, Top Gun Maverick, is one of the part owners of the finished long drink. And so this cake was made in celebration of his birthday. I thought that was kind of amazing. Maybe I'll get myself a long drink cake here this year. I don't believe you have to be 21 to enjoy that. I believe anybody can have the cake. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a cool looking cake there uh, from our friends at the finished long drink. By the way, uh, I don't think you can buy a long drink cake online, but you can go online and find out where you can buy some finished long drink, whether it be a beverage store, a bar, a restaurant near you. Uh, you can enjoy what we've been talking about here on Dog Nation Daily for quite some time, whether it be the long drink cranberry or the long drink strong, which is 8.5% alcohol by volume, long drink zero, that's no carbs, no sugar, or the long drink traditional, which you saw there a moment ago if you're watching on video in the blue can. It's got the grapefruit flavor, comes along with a gin kick. It is a lot of fun to enjoy. And you can find out where and how to enjoy it if you'll go to thelongdrink.com. All right, we have a handful of golden shoes to give out today. So what do you say we do that in style to close out our week? Starting with the first one here right now. We'll get ready to acknowledge our first golden shoe winner here for today. Our buddy Ryan Walker, speaking of Nick Saban, who has been doing a lot less winning lately and a lot more whining and crying. And so Ryan Walker says, how about some cheese go along with that wine? He's got Nick Saban in, in the movie called Cryberry, a Crybaby, a Troll Tide production, which is very funny. He says, known to cry over everything, what will make him cry next? That's very funny. That's a movie I wouldn't mind seeing. Ryan Walker will give you a golden shoe for that. How about this from Mike McPherson? We have such talented members of our audience. He says, I've been playing with a laser on some scrap wood, thinking about making a wall hanging all four in order by year. So you get all the various national champions. I love the fact they have the new 1942 and 1980 national champions logos, which I love. And Mike doing some great woodworking to show the case all of that. Mike, very talented, good-looking stuff there. Uh, very impressive. What's that, Michael? I don't know if he's selling those or not, but that's very, uh, that's very, very impressive, Mike. Uh, you at least get a golden shoe for your effort there on that because that's beautiful to see. That 42 uh, uh, championship logo is awesome there as well. Uh, our next golden shoe goes to Brian P. Hall, who got picked up some coffee. And I guess it's called the Mpemba Blend here, which he says is uh, foreshadowing for uh, the future destiny of what Sam Mpemba may be able to do at Georgia. Brian, enjoy that. And uh, fun to think about what uh, Sam Mpemba might be able to be for these dogs. A uh, good-looking UGA coffee mug going along with that there, too. And then our buddy Army Dog Charlie shares this from, y'all know, three-year Letterman on Twitter, one of the uh, legends on Twitter. He's made this meme, and I always like these kinds of memes. So you've got the uh, older guy who is Alabama getting in the wheelchair, and <laughs> he's saying, I used to rule the world. You've got LSU uh, as the uh, daughter and George as the son saying, okay, Dad, okay, Dad as they're getting him into the wheelchair. So uh, that's pretty funny stuff and maybe probably more fitting than Crimson Tide fans want to acknowledge and a very funny golden shoe going out to three-year Letterman and uh, Army Dog Charlie there on that. By the way, speaking of the lousy, stinking gators, the national media may forget Billy Napier exists, but we don't forget the cocktail party exists. 232 days from right now, Georgia back in Jacksonville, beaten up on Florida again. That is your Gator Hater Countdown, and we will see all of you Monday. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. And on the podcast, time now for the RS Andrews podcast. Cool down. We'll take your comments via Twitter at Dog Nation Daily comment section at DogNation.com. I, I got a message from uh, it's, it's Bear Dogs on Twitter. What's the handle here? It's, <laughs> it's Bear Dogs on Twitter. And uh, he has kind of a funny thing in here about how much he celebrated after Georgia beat Ohio State. And it kind of got me thinking a little bit. And y'all tell me if you have the same agreement. Maybe I've mentioned this in our podcast, Cool Down, before. I know I've talked about this in a couple of spaces is that I think there's been a little bit of an evolution here. We talked top of the show today about, you know, Kirby Smart maybe surpassing Nick Saban as college football's best coach. And for a long time, 
there's been this Kirby Saban comparison. They worked together. Georgia and Alabama are both in the SEC. Last couple of years, Georgia and Alabama have been the top programs in college football. And because of all of that, I think it's been safe to assume that the biggest team that Georgia could beat has been Alabama. And maybe that's still true. But I sort of get the impression, either because Alabama lost twice last year, out of sight, out of mind, or because of the kind of unique nature of the Ohio State fan base, or maybe just the way that game played out on December 31st, that right now it sort of feels like beating Ohio State kind of feels like a little bit bigger deal to me. Am I wrong to say that? We talked about this with Jeff when it comes to you know beating out Ohio State for Damon Wilson or you know competing for a wide receiver recruit right now or maybe back on the field again in uh, 2023. There's a little bit of energy around a Georgia-Ohio State game that I don't know is matched by a Georgia-Alabama game at the moment. Maybe that changes if Alabama is good enough to qualify to play Georgia this year. But if it doesn't, it seems like – I don't want to call it a rivalry because we're not quite so sure how much Georgia and Ohio State are going to play. But the very real conference rivalry that I believe that's going to exist in the future between the SEC and the Big Ten, the two financial halves in comparison to the have-nots of the other Power Five leagues, I think it probably adds to that there as well. So the point in all this is – funny comment from a Twitter user – about how happy he was to see Georgia beat Ohio State. My guess is if these two teams play again here this year, some of that same energy will return, and maybe for now this kind of becomes the biggest possible opponent that Georgia could play just because of all the back-and-forth chatter that seemed to exist between the two fan bases since the Georgia victory on New Year's Eve. We'll make that our podcast cool down for today. Remind you to check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised for the price that's promised, including getting that air conditioning unit tuned back up to factory fresh specs. You'll need it soon. It's going to be cold this weekend, but after that, you start getting ready for real spring as opposed to sort of the fake spring you kind of got for a little bit here. Uh, You'll get the real spring here coming up, hopefully, for at least a little while anyway, and then it'll be hot summer after that but you'll definitely be needing that air conditioning unit. So get it tuned back up. Factory Fresh Specs. It'll only cost you $99. And you can find out more at rsandrews.com. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We will look forward to talking to you then.